Amen. Good morning. Thank you, team. Thank you so much for uh, leading us in that place. And that's the box. I decided to fall down. How are you? You had three people. That's great. And it'll be a good day or a long day. Um, as I get my things ready. I don't know about you, but I am I'm someone I've just fallen more in love with the book of Ephesians. It's a book that you and I will constantly refer to in our Christian walk into our day-to-day life and struggles and battles and situations. I encourage you, there'll be many times that you'll open that book up to find inspiration and I pray that God will just minister into your, your time and your place in an amazing, amazing way. I, I think it would be important that we continue to look at the book of Ephesians over this coming time, this season, because it has so much life in it for the church and for you and for I. I'm just going to move that actually there just for the moment. Okay. Well, we're nearly at the end of it, of the book of Ephesians. One more week to go and we're just taking little baby steps and I hope that it will encourage you in the midst of what we have got to cover. We live in a very emotional, vulnerable and fragmented world. In 2007, the National Survey for Health or Mental Health and Wellbeing estimated that one in two, 46%, have experienced mental disorder. This is in the ages of between 16 and 85, includes most of us here. So almost 50% of this room or half of this room already has experienced some sort of mental disorder or situation. Also, it says, did you know that out of one out of every eight people have an anxiety-related condition? There's another thought. Did you know that roughly 6% of the population have been diagnosed, diagnosed and it could be changing? And I think it is, particularly with COVID, some of the data I've read, but just for the time, with a serious Serious or chronic form of mental illness. Seems to be more of that than we've ever seen before in the way that we handle life and, and wave and walk through life. And so I think Ephesians chapter 6 and putting on the armour and recognising who we are as a church and as individuals, if, if there's any importance, any urgency about it, I think it's right now. We've learned how to walk worthy, Live worthy and love worthy. We're learning how to be strong in the Lord, stand firm, and we've learned how to pray. And you've heard me say this again and you'll hear it again because this is the catch cry. Are you battle ready because the battle is ready for you? We understand that life is a battle. It's a struggle at times. We've all had had that and experienced that. But the key to every battle is fighting the right enemy wearing the right armour. Hence why Paul is sharing and speaking into this situation. Be Strong talks about and encourages us to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. We're doing that today. We're doing that as we sing together and worship together. Affirming what God has said about us and who we are. Stand means to take a firm defensive position and remain steadfast. There's a great sense of urgency about that. 
So we continue looking at the last two items of the armour. And as you uh, would already know that we've talked about the belt of truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And I love, we get this picture of this armour is really a sense of the church putting on the armour, but as individuals as well. And I think it really highlights what this looks like for you and for me. Author Michael Harper in his book Spiritual Warfare says that in, in a sense all the pieces of the armour when combined together are Christ himself. So we understand we put the, the belt of truth on, the breastplate of righteousness. We shot our pe- feet with the gospel of peace that we take peace in. We go into our day with peace and we bring with ourselves peace that people can experience this Christ-likeness of peace and truth and righteousness. We looked at the shield of faith that distinguishes and puts out uh, these flaming arrows, extinguishes, sorry, I don't think I said the right word there. And now we're going to look at the last two items. The first three items are items, in fact, that soldier, a soldier would wear, particularly close to battle lines. He would wear over time. He would sleep with his shoes on, breastplate on, belt on. The other items that we've looked at the shield of faith was very close by, and these two items as well, very, very close by. Let's have a look in verse 17. It says, take the helmet, take it, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The helmet was one of the most last items that a soldier would put on because it was very uncomfortable. But it was a privilege to have a helmet. You felt so secure going into that day in that battle, knowing that if you get hit, or an arrow or a spear or a dagger or something happens to hit you here, there's a good chance you're going to survive. You can get cut in the arm and the leg and the foot and all different places. Certainly the main organs are going to need to be protected. And you'll probably get home and you can limp home, get back home to, to the field and, and get, have recovery. But if you get too many hits in the head, it's not good. In fact, right now, AFL are constantly looking at concussion rules and it's been changing. This season, it's been changing constantly. And they're still working out what to do because they're finding out that players, in fact, one player just recently retired from AFL football simply because it was on the advice of doctors and medical specialists that said, you've had too many hits and you can't have any more. There's no more more room left for you. The clock is ticking, you can't have it. And he had to make the decision to leave, still fit and active and ready to, fight, ready to go into, into the game. And so it keeps, it keeps changing and it just highlights the, the complexity and the challenges of our minds. So the helmet not only is the helmet of salvation, but it speaks about protecting one of the most vital organs in our body. So while we can get hit and wounded, one or two hits here and we're out for the count, that's it. And so it's very important that we had the helmet. And what I've read is that when they wore the helmet, it brought great assurance. And it's interesting that it's noted as the helmet of salvation, the assurance of our salvation, the confidence of who we are in our Lord, in our God. But I see another dimension here, another element here about our minds, about our thinking about how the enemy can just come in and wander in and things are said as we've been learning and things we hear and we take it on and it it starts to work within us. Our minds are the most prolific area for battle. 
An enemy seeks to destroy our assurance of salvation, our confidence in our God. And our minds are one great such place that this can happen. And I believe in the sense with our mind in spiritual warfare, particularly that this has to do with the battle of authority, knowing who you are. I learned as a Christian, when people are around about me as an early Christian, those who were mentoring me, taught me how to get the Word, read the Word, get the Word, discover what God says about you. Who are you? In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, For though we live in the body, flesh, blood, we do not wage war in an unspiritual way, since the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but are powerful through God for the demolition sorry, of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every high thing that raises itself against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive and we make it obey Christ. These song, songs we've been singing this morning are, are like from the Psalms. The Psalms, my hope is in you. Your love leads me in the right way. Reminded again and again of the Psalms of the Word. A stronghold then is a faulty thinking or pattern of thinking based on lies and deception that begin to establish themselves through sinful ways or even patterned or learned behaviours. A stronghold is an established thought pattern. This stronghold is, is a mindset, an attitude that does not conform to God's word and accepting the situation as unchangeable. And not accepting what God says about us. I've sat with people, counselled people who don't believe God loves them. They feel so unworthy to come to a church that the walls will cave in on them because they're so sinful and so unworthy and they believe it. Because of their experiences and the things that they've learned and worked through, they begin to form this pattern of understanding and belief about them. It's not very good. And these works of the stronghold are to shake you, destroy your assurance and confidence in salvation and who you are in Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 5.8, it says, But since we belong today, let us be sober, putting on, I love this, faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. How important is to know the hope that we have, the hope that the Scriptures speak about, the hope of Jesus, the Saviour. So we see the protection of the heart is faith and the protection of the mind is hope. Hebrews 6.19 says, the anchor of our hope for the soul or the mind is firm and secure. Bill Johnson said this, when we believe a lie, we empower it. Satan's role is not only to destroy your purpose, but also your peace and identity in Christ. 1 Peter says that we're going to learn how to casting out all our anxieties upon the Lord, upon our God, because He cares for you. Well, how do we do that? How do we cast them? We pray, we commune, we fellowship. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope is a quiet, steady expectation of good based on the promises of God's Word. Hope is an essential aspect of our salvation. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And as you can see, a stronghold can have certain elements of influence over us. And its purpose is to persuade you, 
to make you uncertain, uneasy, to distract you, to hinder you, to weaken you, to make you terribly vulnerable or weak, afraid, and even lose hope. Our response to strongholds is getting God's word out, putting on the helmet of salvation, reminding ourselves of who we are through confession, prayer, declaration. In Colossians 2, uh, sorry, 3, it says, set your mind on things above. Philippians 4 says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on them. So the Bible gives us plenty of resource to put this helmet of salvation on, to stand against the attacks of the mind. There are seven to eight different reasons why there may be mental health. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a specialist in Zeria, but I've read about seven, maybe a few more, but I'd say there's a good seven reasons why we have these challenges. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Eleanor Roosevelt is credited with saying, no one can make you feel inferior without your permission. So what do we do when the battle's thick and rife? We centre ourselves on Christ, His identity, His likeness, and we stand in Him. We stand firm in Christ, our hope and our assurance. When those things and those words that have been said come back and float into our head, and our mind. And we want to believe those lies and those toxic thoughts and accusations. We remind ourselves of who we are. And then we take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is our offensive weapon. The Word of God, there's no greater defeat of the enemy than to do this the way Jesus did it. And when the enemy came against him in Matthew chapter 4, Luke 4, What happens? Jesus was tempted by the enemy. The enemy tried to tempt him. And what did Jesus do? Every time he said, it is written. So my words and my good ideas and philosophies are not really what works here. It is the living Word of God. It is that sword of the Spirit. It is God's Word that will will last. Heaven and earth will fade away, but His Word will remain forever. His Word in my heart has to create change. And there are thousands and thousands of people every day making decisions for Jesus, giving their lives over to Jesus, confessing Him as Lord and Saviour because His Word has come into their heart. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So that when I feel like I'm having a bad day and I want to resist the devil, it's not just me saying, I resist you, devil, in the name of Louis. He goes, who are you? But when I say I resist anything that the devil may come against me or my family in the name of my God and my Saviour, a bit of Joshua comes up. The valiant. And my God said this and my, and I, it changes things. I can doubt what I say and what I think, but I don't have to doubt what God says. Don't spend time thinking about woe is me. Rather declare God's word over your heart and spirit. In Corinthians it says, I believe, therefore I decree. I said, your words have power. Words are hurtful, toxic, dangerous, but they also bring life and hope. 
Proverbs tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And in James 3, we are told that the tongue is like a rudder of a ship. So our words determine the direction of our lives, our future, and even our hopes. What are you speaking over you and over your marriage and over your family and over your future? What words are you saying? Are they life or are they toxic? This is the armour. This is how we've got to think. And God says, you're not alone. I'll demonstrate this. I'll show you how it is done. He says that in Jeremiah 1, I'm watching over my word to perform it. Or in Isaiah 55, he says, So shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I have pleased. It shall prosper in the thing that I've sent it to. When we look at the Word of God, it speaks about uh, the word, two words, rima and logos. This is speaking of the rima word. This is a spoken word. It's not a word that sits on a bookshelf or, or somewhere, but it's a rima word. It's the utterance of God. God uses and takes this logos. Just pretend for a moment, this is my brain. <laughs> Some of you are not pretending very much, are you? You don't have to lend yourself too far. This is a picture of my head. I don't know why a lot of people laughed at that. Ralph. So stuff happens in life. What, what have I got to, where's, where's the authority? Where's my assurance? What do I do? But if I put God's word in there, and there's a moment in the situation I go, oh God, I don't know what to do. What do I do? And I, I open the scriptures or I have a particular scripture and I read it. And I love Jocelyn and David did this on the week, didn't they? They read about that Psalm 121, was it? Well, here's Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Oh God, there's a tough situation. What do I need to do? How do I do this? God takes his word, the written word, the Logos word, and he applies it and it becomes a rema word to us, a word of conviction and utterance and it speaks to us and it brings life and it brings hope. It's not my words. My words, just good ideas and good thoughts. But God's word changes. So if we don't read the word of God and we don't have the word of God, then there's nothing to get. That's a freebie. So when the devil came and tempted Jesus, Jesus didn't go, oh, dear, yeah, it's a tough, tough day. I don't know what to do. I'm pretty hungry. I'm fasting and I'm in the wilderness and it's hot. He just said, it's written. The devil tried to tempt him at his weakest and he said, it is written. It is written. He quotes the word of God. I'd love to spend more time on this. Psalm 107 verse 20 says that he sent forth his word and he healed them. Now, when we come together like this, there's healing in this place. There's healing in His presence. There is joy in His presence. Because when His Word is there, when His Word is saturated, when we're listening to the Word of God, the Spirit speaks an instant word to us and we receive this Word and life is imparted. And the stuff and the junk that we're thinking about and worrying about tends to just fall in the background and the focus of Jesus becomes greater than the stuff around me. I see Jesus. We don't have to be dominated by our circumstances. We take authority over them and we declare them. In John 6, it says, and the Spirit gives life. 
The flesh profits nothing, but the words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, when we receive them, are spirit and life. They are spiritual. We must take the sword of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. You want God to take the sword? He's not going to take it. You have to take it. We're told to take it. Not wait, take it. Take that word and declare it over you. Take the word of God in faith and allow the Holy Spirit to empower those words and remind us of those words. We do that through prayer and singing and psalms. We do that in declaring His word, holding on to faith. In John 8, Jesus tells us that we can be held into bondage due to strongholds in our lives. And solution was to continue in my word. Continue and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Not man's truth, not someone's truth. It's God's truth that changed my life. When I gave my life to Jesus, it wasn't because people said that God was this or that or, or whatever, what was going on in my life. It was because the Word quickened in my spirit through faith. And I wanted to say, yes, I want to know. I want to know this Saviour. I want to know this Jesus. Strongholds are torn down when you meditate on God's Word. And I've seen Lives turn around when the Word of God is declared. I've seen healings. I've seen cysts look like women are pregnant drop off them when there was people praying for them. We were praying for them. Miracles because His Word will follow Him. It will accomplish what He set out to do. I ask you as the Holy Spirit guiding your words, your thoughts, in your faith? Are you taking charge of the day because of God's Word that's been spoken over you? During early, I think it was early last week, I don't know when, but I just went into a time of intercession. I don't generally do that, but when it happens, it happens. And I just had this intense form to pray and I'm just declaring God's Word. Most of my prayers are usually God's Word. Because otherwise, Lord, help me, help me, help me. It's like, well, I'm just praying about me. <laughs> Sorry. So I, I, I speak God's word. And in this time of intercession, these thoughts started to flood and I'm praying this and I'm praying that. And I started writing it down. I sent it to the elders. And I've been praying it every day. And I felt like there's seasons when you just got to pray something that God just gives you and lays upon your heart. What are you praying? What are you speaking? There are opportunities, possibilities, and dare I say, obstacles and oppositions. But what are you going to do, friend? How are you going to be best prepared for this battle? How many salvation on? Protect ourselves from the flood of ideas and thoughts that come against us. Know who we are in Christ. To be strong in whom He says we are. To declare His Word and to take that sword and know that it will cut, it will heal. If we, if Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts. God's word cuts. At times God's words cut me. There's been sin in my life. There's been bad attitudes. 
there's been this and that and just, he just begins to cut it. As I read the Word, I say, sorry, Lord, this is wrong. This is not what I want to be. This is not who I am. So how do we do? How do we live in this challenging time? What does it look like? Paul reminds the church to put on the armour of God. As individuals, to put on the armour of God. In other words, to renew ourselves in His presence. To put on Christ each and every day. Friend, are you battling with thoughts, opinions, ideas, self-destructive words that speak of hopelessness, failure, worthlessness? Because you don't have to. You don't have to. I don't know what your season and journey is. I don't know what you're going through. But God does. And you don't have to. As we close and come to a close. I've got a prayer I want to read at the end here for you. I think it's on the screen. You can see it. I don't know how. It's obviously a lot bigger behind me. Just ask you to close your eyes, please. Oh, you can't close. If you close your eyes, how do you read it? That's smart, isn't it? Just glad I'm not in that show. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Anyway, let's read this together. I confess that I have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that this spiritual weapon working in my life, I have the exact word I need for every situation, a specific quickened word from the Scriptures placed in my heart by the Holy Spirit because this rhema from God is in my heart. I have real sword power to use against the enemy and I declare this by faith. In Jesus' name, Amen. When we talk about the battles and struggles we have in life, one of the truths is this, particularly with mental illness, the greatest remedy, I suppose if you say, the greatest way we see change is relationship and connection. So stay connected and don't go alone. Sometimes when we talk about these things, people wonder, you don't know my experiences and my world and my challenges in life. I don't. But God does. But what you experience is not greater than the Word of God. The Word of God is greater. Let it have authority over you. I could spend a long time on this. This is a journey of my life. When stuff happens, I hit the wall, but then I remind myself what God says about me remains true. And let everyone be a liar. His Word is everlasting. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that Your Word, Father, will speak today in our hearts and resonate in the days and weeks and months to come. Paul gives us this great picture, these metaphors and pictures of what it looks like to be the church in battle, what it looks like to be individuals in battle and what we can do. So help us, Lord, help us to remember You and Your Word and to apply it to our hearts and lives every day. It's that simple. That's where it begins. So Father, whatever the challenges my friends, my brothers and sisters are facing, Whatever is happening and going on, I pray that they know that they don't have to go alone, 
You've given us everything we need. We have the bow of truth. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the peace for every day and every situation. We have the helmet of salvation. Our minds and our thoughts can be protected and, and directed by Your Word and influenced by Your Word and the promise of Your Word. And we have the sword that we can wield and use against the enemy and against those onslaughts, those attacks, those toxic things that try to break us down. And we thank You for this letter, for this book, for this message today, Lord, that You would speak continually and change our hearts. In Jesus' name, everyone said,